you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about, uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. <laughs> Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society, we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I, yeah, think, I think so. I think that's okay. Fine. So which do you come? Which side do you come down on? Oh, uh, equality. Equality. Yeah. Okay. If you have any roughly, approximately sane lefty in your family, and they still think Bernie is good or Bernie knows what he's talking about, show them that clip. He does not know the basics. This has got to end. We need equity. Oh, equality. Equality. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>it's march 7th 2023 i'm dave rubin once again this is the rubin report we're very excited we're live streaming on rumble youtube and locals we crushed every live stream record yesterday things are going well over here and that cold open was a little youtube short that we're doing every day we're doing one or two of them every single day if you're watching on the youtube although we do want you to watch on rumble of course rumble.com slash rubin report uh, but YouTube is heavily pushing these shorts. So we're putting plenty of them up there. That's one of them. And we have a shelf. If you just go to youtube.com slash Ruben Report, there's a shelf. You can click shorts and see all the shorts that we are putting up there. If you want to join us uh, at the end of the show today for our post-game wrap-up, you can join us at rubenreport.locals.com. And yes, yesterday not only crushed it on the live stream numbers, but it was our longest show ever. Some say the best work that Dave Rubin has ever done. Some are saying it. I'm not saying who, I'm just saying some people are saying it, okay? Uh, so we're gonna continue where we left off yesterday. Uh, a little bit of the woke stuff, a little bit of what's going on with Hollywood and the cultural shifts that are happening right before our eyes because I really think that this Russell Brand moment that now you've all seen probably multiple times, him on real time with, uh, with Bill Maher and sitting there with this MSNBC hack, this guy, John Heilman, uh, and really laying down some truth and watching just sort of a product of the machine, this, this Heilman guy, just crumble under it. I think the red pilling is happening. It's happening with more celebrities. Chris Rock has a new Netflix special out, which was doling out some red pills. We'll show you a couple clips. And I think it's even leaking into corporations right now. So the worm might be turning, but you must give the devil his due. And somehow every time we think we're getting a win, you know, it's two steps forward, three steps back with this thing. So we got to just keep the pressure on and see what's what. But let's get right to it today. So Chris Rock, you know, comedian Chris Rock, uh, he dropped a new Netflix comedy special. Back in my day, everybody wanted an HBO comedy special. That was the thing. If you were doing stand-up, you wanted an HBO comedy special. That was the place to do it. I don't know that HBO is doing as much these days, so Netflix seems to be the place that people want to get their uh, specials out. Uh, although, uh, if, I, if I may for just a moment, uh, my special, Don't Say Dave, which was shot live in Orlando, the end of the Don't Burn This Country tour, the show that I did with Governor DeSantis. It was basically completely unscripted. A few things that I had done uh, previously on the tour, uh, that is available for all local sub subscribers, annual subscribers, that is, or you, I think it's 10 bucks if, uh, if you wanna do the one-time deal. And look, we put a link down there. That was, can we do that again? If I just point, will it show up? Watch. Wow, that, that was pretty good. All right. Uh, anyway, Chris Rock has a new Netflix special and uh, he's going after the woke. He's going after the false cries of racism. He's going after the cancel culture machine and the whole thing. Uh, here's a little clip going after Meghan Markle for playing the race card. That she went through was not racism. It was just some in-law <laughs> So she's complaining. I'm like, what the is she talking about? No, they're so racist. They wanted to know how brown the baby was gonna be. They're so racist. They wanted to know how brown the baby's gonna be. I'm like, that's not racist. Cause even black people wanna know. How brown the baby gonna be. 
that's pretty funny. Like, Rock is a solid comic. He did some stuff about the Will Smith slap and, and a bunch more. I'm going to show you one more clip of Rock. But what's interesting about that is you really got to understand when, when this Meghan Markle, Prince Harry thing, which we've covered a little bit here, and you guys know my feelings on this. Like, I don't think that we have to focus too much on, you know, the royals of another country. Uh, but somehow, because culturally these things are now all connected and we live in this globalist world, whether we like it or not, you know, what happens there affects us here and what happens here affects them across the pond. And, you know, when, when they sell a book or whatever it might be, get a TV show, a special on Netflix, uh, they're on every channel, right? They're pushed on the front of every magazine and everything else. So whether you like these things or not or care about these things or not, they sort of care about you because they become part of the cultural stuff that we're all kind of stuck in, the muck and the mire that we're all constantly in, the La Brea tar pits of cultural lunacy. Uh, but what's interesting is we all knew it. It was like, you really think that at the end of the day, that more than anything else, that the royal family is racist, like, and that she came in. I mean, this is what really the important thing about this is that Prince Harry let her into the family and she has done more in, in like two years to destroy the institution of the monarchy than probably anybody, including when the king, you know, two generations ago abdicated the throne because he didn't want the pressure. That kind of hurt them a little bit, but she has infected them with wokeism. And it's a, it's a huge problem. Even if you think that a monarchy is completely ridiculous and none of this makes any sense. And again, it's not on our shores. Why should we care from an American perspective? The institutions that have existed for thousands and thousands of years that we're watching crumble whether it's thousands of years or hundreds of years, if there are education institutions or entertainment institutions, whatever it is, it's like they can all crumble. But unless we're going to build something better afterwards, we're going to we're going to crumble along with them. Uh, but Rock kept going. I, I really enjoyed this bit. He's going after the left because they're always equating words to violence. Remember, violence isn't violence. If you burn down a pep boys in the name of Black Lives Matter, that's somehow not violence. If you punch an Asian store owner uh, and steal some uh, salami sandwiches, that's all good. But words are the things you've really got to watch out for. Words hurt. That's what they say. Got to watch what you say, because words hurt. You know, anybody that says words hurt, has never been punched in the face. It's true, being punched in the face, and I've been punched in the face once or twice in my day, much worse than words. When people say mean things to me on Twitter, I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, but punched in the face, not the most fun thing in the world. But as I said, we take two steps forward and then we seem to take two steps, two, three steps back, right? Sometimes I guess it's two steps back and we're just sort of where we started. And then sometimes usually it seems like we fall backwards a little bit, which is why I always talk about that slow descent to hell that we're on with these people. Uh, because while it is great that Chris Rock is now out there and seemingly in, in the red-pilled camp, so let's call this like the Joe Rogan camp of comedy or now the Russell Brand camp or, or quasi-Bill Maher, you know, it's like the somewhat relevant, interesting, edgy comedians are now in this camp. So that, that really is great. But when I talk about the three-step back thing, the machine isn't just going to acquiesce just like that. It's going to keep going. So I saw this headline from Washington Post and an interesting op-ed. Uh, perspective. As the governor fights diversity and inclusion in Florida, Major League Baseball should take a stand, Kevin B. Blackstone Right. Now, here's a little bit from the piece. This is Kevin Blackstone, who I used to think was a pretty decent guy. He was on that show Around the Horn. Remember Kevin Blackstone on Around the Horn on ESPN? But he's going all in on race. Here you go. Uh, baseball can no longer ignore Ron DeSantis' culture wars. If baseball is still concerned with as much, it's 15 franchises that started spring training last month in Florida should consider making the annual exercise an all-Cactus League affair as long as DeSantis commands an attack on diversity. It has been the hallmark of his governorship, which many believe is a prologue to a presidential bid. Just last month, DeSantis called a new advanced placement high school course in African-American studies indoctrination, dismissed its educational value and threatened to replace the nonprofit college board that approved it. And about a year ago, DeSantis signed into law the Don't Say Gay Bill, so nicknamed by critics who prohibits 
which prohibits public schools from any teaching on sexual orientation or gender identity unless they are considered age-appropriate or or developmentally appropriate. Yet a league that started celebrating Pride several months ago is deeply rooted this time of year in Florida. The teams could remind DeSantis of the 2018 study that estimated spring training injected $687 million into the state a little more than six weeks, over a little more than six weeks. Okay, guys, first off, let's just go through the nonsensical lies. As you know, the don't say gay thing, the word gay isn't in it. This was about parental rights and education. It was about age appropriate stuff. So for some reason, this guy, Kevin Blackstone, wants state teachers to teach, talk to six-year-olds about gender and sexuality. That's a little weird to me, uh, but okay, that's what he wants. As far as the removing the AP African-American Studies course, as you know, it also included gender theory in it, which has nothing to do with African-American studies. He's not denying anyone from learning about civil rights or slavery. So you you guys know all that stuff, right? So we don't have to smack you over the head with that. Uh, But he's just lying and that's all they do. And they do it in the name of we're the good guys because we care about diversity. So I was thinking about it. Well, baseball, diversity, diversity in baseball. Could I get the numbers? And we checked the numbers. So I want to break down some ethnic numbers in baseball. Before, even to have to say that is so stupid. Nobody in sports cares about the ethnicity of anyone. Can you hit the ball? Can you throw the ball? Can you dunk the ball? Can you catch the ball? That's what we, oh my, was that a white guy that caught that? Uh, Nobody cares. Anyway, here's the ethnic breakdown in Major League Baseball. It's 58% white, uh, 32% Hispanic, and 7.8% black. Now, we've got a problem here, Kevin Blackstone, because you really want diversity. And no doubt when someone says they want diversity, that means they want equity. They want equal outcomes, which is the most anti-human thing that there is because it takes away everything that you are as an individual and just, you know, cordons you off as your skin color or sexuality or gender or whatever. Uh, so white people in, the, in America are 76%. So what was the number on white people in baseball? It was like 58%. So white people are underrepresented in Major League Baseball. We have got to get more white people playing Major League Baseball. And I want to give a shout out right now to Connor. Connor played second base, high school baseball, Arizona state champions. What year? 2011. You've got a chance, man. I mean, you're, you're doing fine around here. I'm not saying you should go and get another job, but I'm just saying we need more white people. You're the whitest guy in the room. <laughs> Even though he's been living in Florida for a year, he seems to be getting paler. It's weird. We don't, we don't know what's going on. Uh, Daphne's actually pretty pale too. No offense, no offense. Anyway, uh, Hispanic people are uh, 32% in baseball. Okay, so 32% of MLB players are Hispanic but only 19% in the general population. We must remove the Gonzalezes. We must remove the Ramirezes and the Cruzeses and the others. Okay, it's too many Hispanics. We we believe in equity and diversity. Uh, Black people, 7.8% of MLB players are black and uh, 14% of Americans are black. So black people, we could up up the uh, black people in ML baseball. Maybe they're playing basketball instead, you know? I'd have to check the numbers. Anyway, the point is the machine will not stop. Like Washington Post will keep writing these stupid things. So you've got, here you've got Chris Rock, like telling you the truth about the nonsense about fake racism and all of this stuff. And then you have Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, publishing these nonsensical articles making it seem like there is anything racist or bigoted or or otherwise happening in Florida. And it just simply is not true. But what I want to contrast this with is that some corporations, while the Washington Post has chosen their road, right? Their road is to go fully woke. Some corporations are actually going in the other direction. You may remember the last couple of days, we've played a few clips of Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary, who's a major, major investor, has invested hundreds of millions of dollars into, I'm sure, hundreds of different companies. Uh, And he's been really pushing this idea that it is at this point If you are an investor, if you are a creator, if you are a founder, it is basically impossible to do those things in a blue state because of high taxes, high regulation, et cetera. Uh, Well, now, interestingly, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, you've heard of Chase Bank, uh, their CEO, Jamie Dimon, 
This is a guy who Joe Biden often refers to as his friend and advisor. Uh, well, now he even is admitting that Florida and Texas, they're doing something right when it comes to business and that New York ain't looking so good these days. We love Florida. We're growing in Florida left and right. You know, small businesses, large companies. I'm on my way to Tampa. We've got you know, major operations there, Orlando major operations. Uh, we're opening branches, and so uh, the mayor just joined us at a small business event we did here. We're very pro-Florida. Pro if you were running the state, you know, you should be thinking, how can I make the state off good, well off my people? So Florida likes business. They want you to come. You know, you come to Florida, you see the opt-in. Texas is the same way. You know, if, if I was some other states, I'd be thinking about why do people like going to these states? It's their taxes, it's their pro-business, they want better life for the people. It's not necessary some of the policies we talk about. So, um, you know, we now have more employees in Texas than in New York State. You know, it should have been that way, but Texas loves to be there. And when you go there, they're optimistic. They're optimistic here. Pro-American, optimistic, pro-business. No, unfortunately, no. I, I don't know that I could have said that better myself. First off, the fact that Chase now has more employees in Texas than in New York is absolutely wild. New York for the last hundred plus years, I mean, since the Industrial Revolution has been the center of finance, obviously of the United States, but really the entire world. And people are fleeing. I mean, I'm telling you, after being in New York City for the last couple of days, and I was in Midtown, I, I didn't go all the way downtown to Wall Street, but I was in Midtown, which has tons of high rises with massive buildings of people that used to do business. And there are no business people on the street anymore. There are no people in suits, even collar open shirts. They're just not out there. It's a bunch of people in hoodies who all smell like weed and everyone's up to no good. That's what's happening in New York City right now. And you know, he, he's talking about it, Diamond, obviously from a financial situation. So he's talking about employment, he's talking about regulations, he's talking about taxes. Uh, but then it's also about all of the other stuff that when you move to a place that allows you to come in and create what you wanna create, you start being happier, you start actually being friendlier, your community starts being safer because you have people who kinda know each other and say hi to each other. I'm telling you, I say hi to more people on an average day walking my dog here than I would say to hi to in a month in LA because people would be running the opposite direction because of COVID and masks and dogs can't sniff each other and all the craziness. So there is a culture, there is a culture of freedom and success that is happening right here. And now you can see the divide. So what I'm trying to show you, so Washington Post is going one way. Florida's evil and diversity, the guy's racist and blah, blah, blah. And then you have people who are doing real business, like the head of Chase, okay? You may have your own frustrations with Chase. Chase is doing a bunch with DEI, so I'm not telling you that they're all perfect. But the point is, Chase knows a little something about business and banking and how the world works. And they are expunging themselves from New York and going to the free states. And I'm telling you, this trend is gonna continue where we will keep seeing the Washington Posts and the MSNBCs go down one route, but then we will see the people who wanna create and the states that they wanna create in flourish and go down another route. So here's Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin obviously is the governor of Virginia, one in what was thought to be a, a race he was definitely gonna lose, but completely went against the woke stuff, right? He started going, hey, you can't talk about gender and all this nonsense with our kids. The parents got behind him. He ends up beating Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat who everybody thought he was gonna win. And Youngkin's kind of feeling good about things right now. So he went on CNBC, which is a big corporate uh, news channel. And uh, he went against the CCP and against China because they're trying to buy up all the farmland in Virginia and he ain't gonna have it. What we've seen is the CCP and the Chinese government become much more aggressive about progressing their strategy, which is to dominate the world. Let's just be clear. And they're going to do it at the United States expense. And they're using every arsenal uh, element that they have from mili military coercion to economic coercion to surveillance. And, and it's showing up everywhere. And yes, in our own in our own farmland, I mean, we have the Pentagon, we have Quantico, we have the largest naval base in the world. We have Wallops Island that's launching rockets uh, 10 times a year. And they're, they're surrounded by farmland in some certain cases, not Pentagon. Is that, but is that the farmland and, they're interested in? And we're not going to allow these bad actors to buy this farmland. And it was bipartisan. Isn't that all we've ever asked for, right? What do I always say about DeSantis? He's just saying enough. You know, people are like, DeSantis is playing the culture war, but DeSantis is actually just stopping. The culture war is on the way, right? The rampaging army from hell, the culture war army is coming. And then DeSantis is going, no, 
can't come in here. We got a door, we got a wall. You're not gonna do this in Florida, right? That's exactly what Yunkin is doing. And the fact that he is saying to China, you will not buy up all of our land. Do you guys think it's a little bizarre that Bill Gates is the largest farmland owner in the United States and China is trying to buy up land all over the United States? By the way, Florida is also in the midst of passing a bill. I think it's in the house right now and they have supermajority, so it's gonna get happening. Uh, it's going to work uh, to get China to stop buying farmland and, and other properties uh, here, right? Like we need to take this stuff seriously, but clearly the federal government isn't going to do it. So why else is this blue and red state divide happening? It's not just the policies, right? Like we can all look at the policies, low taxation versus high taxation. Support police, don't support the police. Uh, we're going to not have open air drug markets. We are going to have open air drug markets. It's also the rhetoric around this. And unfortunately, the mainstream media, the corporate press, they cannot stop themselves. That's why a guy like John Heilman, this MSNBC nobody, that's why he got flattened by Russell Brand. Because Russell Brand exists online, right? He exists in the real world. He takes in a whole bunch of different information. I'm not saying he's right about everything. I've got him on the show tomorrow. We're doing it live uh, at Locals. Oh no, we're not gonna air it live, right? We're gonna hold it. We might hold it for a day or two, but we're taping it live and we will not edit any of it. I promise you that. Uh, but we just have enough stuff coming out this week. Um, but, but we'll talk about some of our differences. But the point is, Russell is a thoughtful, interesting person. So what happens is when a carbon cutout, when an NPC, a non-playable character from a woke corporate uh, entity like MSNBC has to go against a real person, the real person just can just eat them alive because he's got actual facts. And Heilman, oh, but we don't lie on MSNBC. Yes, you damn well do. We got more on that in just a second. But the point is that the media is always feeding this divide, right? This is why I show you these clips of The View and of MSNBC and all these things, because they keep lying. Like, think about it. Somebody at the Washington Post, let, let's hear Jeff Bezos, if you're watching today, Jeff, you own the Washington Post. You are the, the world's second or third richest man. You bought this newspaper. It's very Citizen Kane-like of you, right? You bought this newspaper and now you publish op-eds from people that you know are, are lying to your own uh, readers, to, to the people that are paying for this newspaper. But you don't mind that. You don't mind that. That's something that you actually like. So I would say at this point, the, the job of these people is to lie. And speaking of people whose job it is to lie, uh, here is, uh, we gotta do it. Here we go, it's the view. Don't worry, I don't think we're giving, well, there's gonna be a little bit of whooping maybe at some point, but here's Anna Navarro. Anna Navarro, who once was a Republican, she was a conservative. I think she was uh, Marco Rubio's campaign manager years ago, if I'm not mistaken, right? It was campaign manager or publicist, yeah. Uh, here she is just lying about Trump and DeSantis and everything happening in Florida and freedom and all of the stuff. Go. It's not, you know, it's not just Trump. The, when he's saying, I'm your warrior, I think he's saying, I'm your warrior. Not fighting. Everybody. He's fighting. I'll tell you who Black he's fighting. People, no, let, me, let me answer you. He's fighting transgenders. Drag queens. He's fighting drag queens. Mm -hmm. He's fighting, you know, they're fighting black history. Mm -hmm. They're fighting truth. They're fighting facts. They're fighting science. That's what they're fighting. But no and I, people and, on top. Yeah, but I think uh, that doesn't matter, Sonny. It's about it's about manufactured culture wars. It's not about logic. It's let's make things up that enrage people, that aggrieve people, that piss people off, that make them feel oppressed, that make them it's feel like victims. Fear of a loss of power. And I'm going to make them feel that I'm going to fight for them. And Ron DeSantis is saying the same thing. And there was something, you know, the, the, the entire Republican Party, because it's happening in so many states, is, is taking this manufactured culture war way Manufactured culture war. That's a good one. <laughs> I wish I had come up with that one because that's pretty much what she's doing. But let's just go into, so you guys get it, right? You know, she's, she's just lying. And she, again, the culture war is coming to us. None, none of us were screaming about drag queens or transgender anything. We were all over the race stuff. Nobody thought any being racist was cool or any of this stuff. You guys have done this. So again, it's just, you just need the mirror, right? Like if you looked at yourself in the mirror, you might see who the real racist is. But real quick, just to go through some of the things she said. So, the, so Trump and DeSantis and the Republicans, they're the ones going after transgender people. First off, I don't know anyone that is saying that a, an adult transgender person doesn't have the right to live however they wish. Once you are 18, if you wish to put on a tutu as a 300 pound man and become a ballerina, God bless you. We're not gonna show an image of it. 
That's one thing. Then they're going after drag queens. Well, they're not going after drag queens who are performing for adults in nightclubs, as has been happening in America for probably 100 years. Uh, they're going after drag queens, which is a hypersexual performance in front of children. And generally speaking, that is thought of as wrong, right? But these are the same people who want third graders to have books about getting hand jobs and how to give hand jobs. And then if you ban that book, they tell you that you're racist or something like that. Uh, then she, of course, said they're going after blacks. Of course, they're not going after blacks. You know, we already did this nonsense related to the AP course. They're going after history. No, it's you guys with the made up history, 1619 project, et cetera. They're going after truth. Well, that's a real doozy considering we just finished three years of COVID and you people lied about mandates and you about lied about social distancing and masks and vaxes and everything else. They're going after facts. Yeah, well ask these people, what gender is someone who has a penis? And then tell me who's screwing up the facts around here and then science. I mean, same one on that. So it's every single thing. And again, Anna, I am told that you live within like two miles of me, lady. We're gonna see each other at some point. You've called me racist on Twitter. I think you're a moron but I'll buy you a drink. You're probably gonna throw it in my face. She'd probably throw it in my face. That's what would end up happening. But I, I would buy her a drink and see what happens. But you know, but it's odd that she lives in Florida. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? She lives in this racist, homophobic, transphobic. What is she doing down here? Or could it be, come with me on this one. This is just, I'm just, I'm spitballing right now. Could it be that Florida is actually the best place literally in the world to live if you want to live however you want to live? And if you want to have a little more money in your pocket and you want to enjoy the nice weather and you want to be around happy people and all of those things, because it's funny, she's on The View, but she hasn't made New York her permanent residence. Uh, do we know how much Anna Navarro makes on The View? Can we find that out? Because she's got to make a couple million a year on The View. You'd imagine because she believes in big government even though she pretends that she used to be a conservative or something, you would think she would want to give New York some of those taxes. But let's say she makes three million bucks a year on The View, you know, she, that 10% that she would pay to the state, I guess she doesn't want to give that $300,000 away. I'm very confused about Anna Navarro because she's a wonderful, wonderful woman who she makes eight, she only makes 800 grand a year on that show. Well, I guess it's a sliding scale of depending on talent. Anyway, here she is with uh, more lying and going off on my friend. This time as a friend of mine. Uh, you guys know Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire. Well, he gave a speech at CPAC and uh, he went all in on the transgender stuff. I want to clean up a little bit of what he said after, uh, but here she is with a, a very selectively edited portion of the speech. The, the entire Republican Party, because it's happening in so many states, is, is taking this manufactured culture war way too far. One of the speakers at, at CPAC, and I think we have the clip, so you hear his words, so he doesn't sue me, so you hear his words, not mine. Go right ahead, please. Transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology. So this is, you know, this is now the train they're on, right? Let's go after transgender people. Let's go after LGBTQ. And it's, it's, it's going to wind up getting somebody hurt. And it needs to stop. And listen, if you are against your children going to a drag show, don't take your children to a drag show. No five-year-old can drive themselves. And the number one cause of death in children is firearms. So if you really are concerned about your children and their security, pass some common sense gun reform and leave the drag queens the hell alone. First off, she said manufactured again. Like that's, again, we're probably getting demonetized because of her, but it's all right, it's all right. It's like lady, manufactured, not manufactured. <laughs> her whole persona is manufactured, I'll tell you that much. They're also not going against LGBTQ people down here. It's so stupid. Do you know that when we got down here, the governor and his wife literally sent us baby clothing? Like you people are absolutely ridiculous. You know, as for uh, Knowles' comments, I w if you're interested in what he said or you thought it was a little bit over the top, and I, and I think to some degree he, he was really going to push the buttons there. As far as I know, and I, I don't want to put words in Knowles' mouth, but I'll gladly, let's, let's get him on the show. Maybe next week we can discuss this with him or we'll get him on a Friday panel. As far as I know, when he's talking about the, the transgender ideology, what he's talking about is all of the stuff that is leaking into the schools and leaking into all of our institutions and that you have to deny science. So when he's saying that's the project we must, in essence, destroy, that's what he's talking about. I have never, never once heard him say anything about an adult person who just wishes to dress as they wish 
or do whatever they want with their body. He may, maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, and that, that would be an interesting place to have a, a conversation, right? That would be an honest place for two people to have a conversation. Me on the more libertarian side of it, which is like, you gotta live, live your life. I, I, I have no right to put my morals on you, uh, but the state does have some uh, right to do something when it comes to the, the defense of children. Also, isn't it interesting that Navarro, she takes the exact same talking point that Jon Stewart was doing yesterday when we showed you that clip of Jon Stewart, where it's like, drag queens obviously are fine because more kids are killed by guns. And it's like, these things have literally nothing to do with each other. And if your if you're prescription then is, okay, we're upset that a lot of children are killed by guns, or a certain amount of children are killed by guns, obviously nobody wants that. Their answer is, let's take the guns away, but you're not gonna believe this, guys. Generally, bad people don't just do gun buyback programs. Bad people, if you put up a sign and it says, no guns in this area, bad people are the ones that bring the guns in, not the good guys. We also have something called the Second Amendment. I know as lefties, they're not really into it. And now, I, I sort of lied to everybody. We do have to show you something with Whoopi. It's not much, it's not much, but believe, this is wild. This is absolutely wild. Until yesterday, guys. The audience at The View, those clapping seals, who they sit down, they throw them fish heads out of a bucket. I've seen it happen. I've been to the show a couple times, the warm-up guy. He throws uh, some fish heads at them and they eat the fish and they clap like seals and that whole thing. Some of them can do tricks and whatever. Until yesterday, they have been wearing masks. They were mandated. Imagine what it would be like, guys, to sit in a room, have to watch Whoopi Goldberg, Anna Navarro, Joy Behar, Sonny Hostin and that other lady. Imagine having to watch them for an hour while wearing a mask. Cruel and unusual punishment, that's what I'm saying. There were people on death row that would say, take me out now, I'll skip the last meal, okay? But they finally took their masks off yesterday. What's today's date? I wanna get this completely right. Today's March 7th. That, 2023, thank you very much. That means yesterday was March 6, 2023, okay? That's when they took the masks off. Holy sheep shit video. Look at y'all sitting up here with no masks on. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's a first day. Wait a minute now. So I'm, I'm talking and in my mind I'm going, what is different about this audience? <laughs> See people's happening? And then it hits me. No mask because I saw your smile and I saw your teeth. <laughs> I was like, great. Well, yeah, we're getting back to where we were. Like, how did these clowns, these, the fact that they sat there, they were willing to sit and spit on each other because you have no doubt that Whoopi, she's a human Whoopi cushion. You know, there's a lot of liquid coming out of there. That she's spitting all over these women. And, 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 they sit there and do their thing for the last couple of years, but they kept the audience like that because they are the elites. They are better than you. That's how the corporate machine works. But let's continue talking about how to expose these people because that, that really is the theme. If more and more of them get exposed and we get more and more of those Russell Brand sort of seminal cultural moments, uh, then more and more people will wake up. Will we still take those three steps back at times? At times, absolutely but there's a chance. So I wanna show you something because uh, this Jonathan Heilman guy, so this is the guy who Russell smacked around. Uh, well here, let's go to the tweet first. Uh, I wrote this, hey, Jonathan Heilman, I know you've had a rough couple days after Russell Brand demolished you on real time, but here are five lies on MSNBC in about a minute. And then I added something about Michael Steele. Let's just drop that, it's not important for this. Let's show the video. Our historian's perspective, what we're about to witness is Trump, with Trump is something unprecedented. He's still facing multiple investigations uh, as this 2024 race gets underway. So how do you think um, this plays into the narrative of his uh, efforts to become not just the nominee, but the next president of the United States with all of this legal baggage hanging over his head. We haven't seen anything like this in history before. No, we have not. We haven't seen a president potentially indicted like this, and it may not be the most physically fit person uh, of that age that I have ever seen. So you've got that. But the even more dangerous thing, Stacey and Michael, is that, you know, People who try to get a nomination in parties, you know, do it by trying to appeal to what they think will work. Well, look what Rick DeSantis has done in Florida. 
He was known as sort of a nondescript uh, political leader, member of Congress. Suddenly, he really has tried to turn himself into sort of a local Mussolini in Florida with the book banding and the br brutal tactics. And even this week, this suggestion that bloggers have to register with the state for the honor of writing about the governor and other, other political leaders. We have to call this what this is. This is fascism and authoritarianism that goes even beyond what Trump has talked about. That's what he thinks is gonna work in that party. And in a way, that's the scariest thing of all. He blocked me on Twitter. So there's that. Cause all I did was say, hey man, you said that nobody lies on MSNBC. How does a corporate journalist react to you? Well, they block you on Twitter. And then I thought, all right, well, there must be more. There must be more that this Heilman guy has done. And again, I, I don't really care about this guy other than he now stepped into the, the war, right? He stepped into the culture wars and he was not armed properly. Now, you know, he blocked me. Okay, big damn whoop, it doesn't matter. Uh, but here he is in 2019 on MSNBC uh, claiming that Elizabeth Warren's DNA test proved that she's Native American because she was confident of what the answer was going to be. And she's finally telling him, shut up. You know, here's, and here's some science for you, buddy. I know you don't understand how DNA works, but take a look at this. But, but is, she, is she sort of, is she out trumping Trump? She's trying to do a couple of things here. Okay, to be clear, what he is defending there is that she is 10 generations off being Native American, one 1,064th. I'm pretty sure I'm more Native American than that. Like if we really started doing a little digging, okay? Uh, completely ridiculous. But Elizabeth Warren, she is a progressive socialist and he is a progressive socialist pretending to be a journalist. So he's got to defend her, right? I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess that the average American, just the average American probably has more Native American blood than 10 generations off, okay? So it's just, this is just consistent with their insane nonsense. Oh, Phoenix is actually telling me right now, that's a fact. The average American, that's a fact, that's incredible. The average American has more Native American blood in them than Elizabeth Warren. This is a woman who, as she was applying for a job, I believe at Harvard, wrote in the thing that she was Native American so that she would become a diversity hire. She's also worth about $100 million while she sends all her kids to private school, wants everyone else to go to public school. She wants to tax the hell out of the rich, but blah, blah, blah. Okay, you get it. She has a gas stove, by the way. She's a real piece of work. Uh, all right, so that was one Heilman thing. Uh, here's another Heilman thing. Here he is going after Trump because Trump, you remember the orange guy, he said that the Wuhan virus might have come from the Wuhan lab. In the Washington Post, I believe, you know, suggests that there is kind of a systematic effort to try to kind of push the intelligence community to find evidence to support this theory, this conspiracy theory. And, you know, we've seen that not just in the Trump administration, but in the Bush administration, other uh, administrations where a politically predetermined outcome uh, ends up putting pressure is put is applied to the intelligence community and pressure is put on them. So there's cherry picking, there's stove piping. Remember those stories around 9-11 and around the Iraq war. Um, you know, this, I think that it's, it's, it's clearly the case that Trump is, is divorced from the facts. Trump is divorced from the facts, says someone on MSNBC, because irony is dead. But let's just keep wrecking this guy. And you know what? We're not gonna talk about him anymore after this. He blocked me on Twitter, he's irrelevant. So this will be, the, this is my, and I don't think I've ever talked about him before this whole thing happened. So this is the end of the John Heilman portion of the Rubin Report. Uh, so he lied that Native, that uh, Elizabeth Warren is a Native American. Uh, he completely lied that Trump was with no evidence whatsoever saying that this thing might've been a lab leak. Now we're all coming around to the idea that it probably was. Uh, here he is saying that uh, Devin Nunes, who is a former congressman from California, that he's a Russian plant. Question that I asked uh, Senator Murphy a little earlier, um, uh, it, it's an impolitic question. And again, one that would have been seemed to, would have seemed absurd in almost any other circumstance, but uh, Congressman Nunes, your chairman, it is suggested by, by not by me, but by people who follow these matters closely, is this, could possibly be someone who's been compromised by the Russians. Is that something you, that you consider a possibility? I can't speak uh, to his motives. I think he's been compromised by the White House. That is absolutely incredible. When he was on real time, he said, we don't lie intentionally. Show me a moment where people lie. But do you see the way they, they love these linguistic games? He said, it's being suggested, not by me, but by other people who know about this stuff, that Devin Nunes might be compromised. And then in the most, I mean, the irony, it's dead. He then is talking 
to the farting freak, Eric Swalwell. Eric Swalwell banged a Chinese spy. We all know it, it is known by everybody. So he's literally making up that Devin Nunes is somehow a Russian spy while he's talking to a guy who banged a Chinese spy. We'll mail that to somebody. Let's send that to somebody after the show. Somebody wants that crumbled up paper, somebody's gonna get it. Anyway, there are these brief moments. So you get what happens on MSNBC. Then there's NBC. And you know, MSNBC is their JV league. If you screw up on NBC, they send you down to MSNBC. That's how it works, right? Uh, eventually Don Lemon, even though he's on CNN, they'll throw him on MSNBC at like three in the morning and he'll be like, this is the greatest promotion ever. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that, my accent to be completely insane. <laughs> anyway, here is former New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununo. He went on uh, Meet the Press, which is Chuck Todd's Democrat lie laundering show. And Sununu, who the machine really wants him and Larry Hogan to be the Republican nominees. By the way, I don't know if you, did you see it this morning, Larry Hogan saying he's out. Um, we've been trying to get him on the show, by the way, because I've been somewhat critical of him because I think he's, he's just sort of become a nothing liar. We've been trying to get him on the show. We haven't heard back on that, but apparently as of, I think yesterday or this morning, he's not gonna run for president. He was gonna get 0%, which is why the mainstream media liked him as a Republican. There's nothing more than they like than a, there's nothing more they like than a loser Republican. The other one is Chris Sununo. Now I have nothing against this guy. He seems like a perfectly nice guy. I think he's, he's probably like a somewhat decent moderate, which means he can't win. So that's why they put him on these shows, but he did a nice job here pushing back on Chuck Todd. So Chuck Todd's going off on Fox News. That's what they do, right? There's one mainstream channel that has a counter narrative. So they have to go after Fox. And here's Chuck basically being like, or and here's Sununu basically being like, Chuck, you all suck. What do you think Rupert Murdoch and Fox News need to do to regain some trust uh, after what we've learned about this? And are you at all concerned you can have an honest conversation with Fox viewers? Oh, oh, I don't think it's just Fox. I, I mean, I'll put them in there, but all of media, all of television media, and everyone has to own a little bit uh, of the lack of trust, the lack of accountability. It's okay to get something wrong in the news, but you gotta come back and own it. And whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or, or you know, whatever, everyone just has to own it. As a governor, I might try four or five things, and if one or two don't work, I'll say, hey, that didn't work. What about intentionally lying to viewers? We can acknowledge it, we can pay yeah. the funding. Intentionally lying to viewers, though, that, that to me well, seemed to cross look, the line. You can make a mistake, but that's, that wasn't a mistake. So explain to me that, look, I'm not defending anybody because I think you're all, you're all in the same basket. I really do. But I could go to CNN when they talk, when they're going to ignore the, the Hunter Biden laptop story. We could talk about the virus coming, truly coming out of the lab in Wuhan. We could talk about a lot of different things. If you're not owning that you misrepresented the story, whether it was intentional or not, yeah. uh, everybody does it. And that's the problem. America is losing faith in media, and you guys have right. a huge opportunity to regain that. But right now, my message to yeah. Fox News is build your ratings, build your audience, yep. go bigger. Because if we don't go bigger as a Republican Party, we can't win in November. So I want them to talk to independents more, not change our values or who we are yep. or what we're talking about as Republicans, but get more uh, opportunistic about the chance to bring more people in. Sununu seems like a perfectly nice guy. So if I was a little dismissive of him in the lead in there, like he seems perfectly nice, I'd be happy to interview him. I don't think he will have any support really if he runs. The media will kind of push him because he'll sort of be like an ineffectual Republican. You guys get that, how that whole situation works. But he did a really nice job there. The line, you're all in the same bucket. That's what he's saying to Chuck Todd. You all lie about everything. And then that Chuck Todd with a straight face has the gall to be like, well, intentionally lying. That's the line that's too far, which by the way, is the same exact line that Heilman used on Russell Brand. Show me an instance where they intentionally lied. And it's like, well, I don't have the emails to prove that you guys didn't know uh, that the very fine people on both sides was a lie, but it was a lie, or that Jesse Smollett was not uh, gonna be, uh, what was it? He was gonna be hanged by two black guys who he turns out he hired that you've lied about everything, right? I always give you the list. So if you, you know the list, all right, I don't need to give it to you every time. You guys got the point, but that's good. That's good. The fact that some voices are somehow trickling, even when they bring these people on, right? So you got to understand they're bringing him on to be an ineffectual Republican. That's why they like him, but he comes on and he did the right thing. So golf clap to you, Sununu, pretty, pretty good. So what else is happening since they're always so focused on Fox? Why is it that they're focused on Fox? Well, it's sort of like the parlor thing. Remember the parlor thing a couple of years back before January 6th? Parlor out of nowhere 
which was a Twitter clone, got about 23 million monthly active users. That's a huge number, and it happened in a very brief amount of time, and they had a ton of influencer types on the right. Then January 6th happens, and then the, the mafia, I would say it's a mafia move of Amazon, Facebook, everybody, they decide to point their guns at Parler and go, oh, we need a scapegoat here. Who can we blame January 6th on? Let's literally blow up. I mean, they can, in effect, blow up the servers. Amazon AWS, Amazon Web Services, somebody at Amazon presses a button or it's a slider on a touchscreen or a lever, I don't know what the hell it is, and they can blow up an entire website. That's what they did with Parler, that's by the way, Rumble is building massive infrastructure to make sure that that cannot happen. Okay, but that's a, that's a side here. Uh, but they did that. And we are now finding out that actually, well, we knew some of this we knew about a year ago, that it turns out most of the coordination on January 6th happened on Facebook. But it's odd they didn't blow up Facebook because Facebook is in their mafia, right? That's like the New York mafia. And the, the New York mafia is going to do a lot of bad stuff but they're not gonna kill each other most likely, but they will kill the guy from Jersey who stumbles in and does something stupid in this case, uh, or not something stupid, something that they don't like. In this case, it was Parler. Anyway, to relate this all back to January 6th, as you know, Tucker Carlson now has, I think 41,000 hours of security footage from the Capitol on January 6th. Kevin McCarthy gave it to him and they, Tucker's people have been diving into it. Now, as I said the other day, Maybe McCarthy made a little bit of a mistake here because he could have just opened it up to absolutely everybody because then it would have seemed purely nonpartisan. But he felt that giving it to Tucker was the right thing. We can all have our own judgment call on that. Uh, but mostly what people are upset by in the corporate media is that they didn't get it, right? Like if this had been a Democrat giving it to CNN, nobody would be complaining, but they're very upset that Tucker has it. Now, Tucker, you could say what you want about Tucker, but if you think he's going out of his way to selectively edit these videos right now, uh, that's probably pretty nuts because he knows that these, they've already been leaked, right? You have the 40,000 hours, that means other people have it, have it one way or another. One of your employees sent it to somebody, like they're out there now. So if Tucker now over the course of the next few days is just gonna selectively edit things for his own narrative, he'd be destroying his own career. I don't think Tucker's that stupid. Anyway, uh, Tucker has been releasing some interesting information from these 40,000 plus hours. Uh, here he is showing that the police basically acted as tour guides for several of the January 6th people who got into the Capitol, but particularly the shaman. Remember the shaman with the crazy hat and the face makeup and the whole thing? Watch this. This is wild. Dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show the Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th. Okay, so you really got to understand, this guy is now in jail for four years. I have no doubt he's been, been treated unbelievably horribly. Uh, he's not the only one in jail, obviously, but officers are literally escorting him, looking for doors to open. I mean, when you see that moment where the guy turns the doorknob and then they see that that door is locked, they unlocked other doors for him. They, they escorted him into the chamber, right? Why didn't, when those nine cops, and he just walks by him, why didn't anyone be like, uh, sir, you, you, you can't uh, walk in here. Uh, you can't do that, sir. We're not gonna do that. Uh, we do love the hat, but you can't come in here. Uh, but they don't do any of that because this was all, I don't know that it was an inside job exactly, but who was giving them the orders to stand down? Why were so many barricades pulled away and doors opened for these people? Do you really think 
as AOC and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have stated that that guy was a dangerous insurrectionist and that the United States government was in danger of falling within a couple hours. Nobody had plans, nobody had weapons. Uh, for the most part, they didn't even vandalize the freaking place. I think somebody might've taken Nancy Pelosi's keyboard. Okay, you can't steal things, right? But that is the people's house. And if a, if a I wonder, I honestly wonder, if I was at the Capitol, we're going to DC in a couple weeks, we're arranging an actual tour. But I wonder if I walked over to the Capitol and the door was just open and then a police was standing there and I was like, I, can I go in? And he was like, yeah, of course you can go in. And I just started wandering around. Like, am I breaking the law at that point? This is all completely nuts. But let's just do a little bit more on this uh, because Tucker is releasing this stuff. And, and I think, I do want to mention one other thing. This is going to be a little bit like the Twitter files, no matter how much truth comes out right now. Right. So with the Twitter files, we found out that for sure the government was colluding with Twitter activists to silence people and Twitter was paying, sorry, the government was paying Twitter to do it. Now, I don't know that that woke anybody up. I think it woke, it strengthened your wake up. Right. But did, but how many new people did that actually wake up? And this is the problem with the silo thing that we're going to have to continually figure out. And what I fear is going to happen with this Tucker thing is a whole bunch of us who thought that this was kind of bunk from the beginning and nonsensical. And you know, my policy on January 6th, I basically never, I never talked about the coverage of it. And I didn't even want to talk about the event because I just thought it was, it was just more nonsense, like impeachment six of Trump and all of those things. Uh, but more and more videos coming out. And the question is, will this wake up anybody? On MSNBC, they'll tell you that it's all lies and Tucker's selectively editing the video. And a certain amount of people will just never get anything close to the truth. And if Tucker is manipulating stuff and, and having his own audience fall for it, I, that's not my position. But if that was the case, then we got a problem there too. Anyway, here is Tucker debunking this idea that Brian Sicknick, who was the police officer supposedly killed by January Sixers, uh, that it was much more nefarious that, that's the idea, that it was much more nefarious than it actually turned out to be. Take a look at this. And several police officers in the meantime. But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was, quote, slain on January 6th. The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie the Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol. Okay, so look, I, I don't know any more about any of this than you do, and I suspect Tucker will keep doing this dive, but the simple fact is there are more questions here than there are answers, and how do we wake up more people? Let, let's just do a little bit more on this. This is really interesting. Uh, because one of the other things that, that the January 6th commission was doing was they were really trying to find like an insider in Congress or a Republican insider that they could pin this all on. There must've been someone they were working with. So they knew where to enter and all of those things. And the guy they went after was a, a guy by the name of Barry Loudermilk. He is a Georgian Republican congressman. And apparently he had given a tour of the Capitol to some constituents the day before, which somehow the January 6th commission used as proof uh, that he was actually giving the insurrectionists the insider view the day before the whole thing went down. Of course, that now has been completely debunked as well. Well, since the war of 1812. At one point, the January 6th committee publicly accused Republican Congressman Barry Laudermilk of Georgia of leading a reconnaissance mission through the Capitol building the day before. They were looking for some member of Congress that was involved in all this. The surveillance tape that we reviewed shows this story is a lie, and the Democrats on the committee knew it was a lie when they told it. The so-called reconnaissance mission Democrats alleged was nothing more than Congressman Laudermilk giving a guided tour to his constituents from Georgia, none of whom were, quote, insurrectionists. Laudermilk didn't even take the group inside the Capitol building. They walked through a congressional office building down the street. You know what's funny? This is literally the exact tour that we took a couple of weeks ago when we were in D.C. What was that, two months ago? We walked through the congressional office building. We went through the underground tunnel. And then we did do a tiny bit, actually, in the Capitol. 
Uh, but the point is they were trying to find somebody that they could see, ah, you see, he walked them around and showed them, look, there's a window over there and my God, that's a ladies room. And well, men can use it too because we're tolerant or something like that. And that, that somehow was leading everybody into their insurrectionist moves the next day. Complete nonsense. Anyway, one more on Tucker. Here he is just kind of leveling Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. With that, here's the video. Doesn't answer every question from January 6th, far from it. But it does prove beyond doubt the Democrats in Congress, assisted by Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, lied about what happened that day. They are liars. That is conclusive. And that fact should prevent them from ever being taken seriously again. Yeah, so there's just enough evidence. And we all knew, why did I say that I wasn't gonna go back and check the videos? Why did I say I wasn't gonna cover January 6th? Because it was obviously the hearings, because obviously nothing was gonna come of it. And it was obviously partisan and nonsensical. And when, when Jim Jordan and a bunch of rep congressional Republicans wanted to get on the committee, Nancy Pelosi would not let them on there, right? Because she didn't care about the truth, right? And we also know that Donald Trump called. He wanted more guards at the Capitol that day, and Nancy Pelosi was the one that said no. So anyway, the whole narrative is falling apart. Hopefully we can get more people to understand that and wake up to it and not fall for the lies. Uh, but okay, let's turn the worm on this whole thing. What do we do? We got some wins in the culture war, you know, Chris Rock kind of stuff, but then we got the nonsensical op-eds in the Washington Post. Then we have wins when, say, Chase bank is like, hey, go to Florida because it's working there. But then we have other losses because we can't wake up everybody. So what do we do? We got to calmly and clearly state the case. That's what I'm constantly trying to show you guys, because if you do that, that's how you win. Their, their case is not that good. So to send that all the way back to our cold open today, Bernie once asked what his, ba all Bill Maher said was, hey, what's the basic thing that you've been talking about for 30 years? And Bernie folded like a wet paper bag, right? So just state what you believe in clearly. Uh, Jedediah Bila, who's a friend of mine, former actual sane co-host of The View, uh, she's doing a, a show with Valuetainment right now, which is Patrick Bet David's show. I think I'm gonna do a live thing with them in a couple weeks, actually. Uh, but Jedediah had a nice uh, take on, on freedom and the tenuous position that we're all in unless we do something about it. Well, this is why I tell you, people oftentimes live under the, uh, the delusion that, oh, we're in America and we're safe by virtue of our constitution. We're safe by virtue of the fact that we're the land of the free. And I'm here to tell you, you're not safe. You are not safe. Your freedom is not safe because it's no longer the United States run in the United States. You have these institutions WHO, WEF that are now running a bunch of what once were autonomous countries that are no longer autonomous. Yeah, that's true, right? Look at the three years of COVID. Who did we hand our decision-making over to? We handed it over to the WHO, to well, to the NIH, to the CDC, all of these organizations who now we know lied about literally everything. And the depressing part is we know that the next time they do it, there are gonna be an awful lot of people. It's gonna shock all of us. That's the, that's the depressing reality. No matter how many people we red pill, it'll never be enough because when they come back and they lock you down because of climate change or COVID-9 or monkeypox or whatever it might be, a whole bunch of people are gonna to wanna to do it again and they will do it again. And Gretchen Whitmer will be out on her boat eating caviar while she locks her people down in Michigan and Gavin Newsom will be drinking his $1,500 bottle of wine and eating the foie gras up at uh, French Laundry, and they will keep doing it, and a certain amount of people will go for it. But, but to that point, that sliver of people, that disaffected liberal sliver of people who are waking up, we have to convince them that they can come over and, and vote Republican, basically. And what a crazy position that is for a guy like me to have to tell you. But it's the same thing from that clip that we showed you yesterday from Lee Zeldin, Republican congressman from New York, who almost pulled off the upset of upsets in the gubernatorial race against Kathy Hochul, right? He said, you must keep going to those Democrats because those are the people who might switch. You can't always go to the base. Trump, for example, really good at going to the base, but he's not bringing in new people anymore. The future Republican Party, I think, has to be a little more in line with what DeSantis has done, which is you're getting all of the disaffected liberals, you're getting the libertarians, you're getting the, the, all the new incoming people who are going, oh, I actually understand what freedom is and I'm appreciative that there's a little bastion of it right here. Uh, so how do you keep getting those red-pilled 
liberals and those, those sort of disaffected lefties, uh, well, you gotta keep allowing for truth to get out there. Uh, here was a really nice moment a couple days ago. This is, I would say, two liberals. This is Joe Rogan and Russell Brand calling out that unelected bureaucratic machine that Jebediah is, talk, Jebediah is talking about uh, related to Bill Gates and COVID and vaxes and more. Watch the video. We're thinking the best thing might be this medication, but of course you can vote. What you don't want is the WHO determining that in the next pandemic they have the right to implement by their votes it, it contained yes. within the WHO. Uh, like lockdown measures, medication measures, which is something that they're lobbying for currently, I understand. Yes. Less and less democracy, more and more ability for unelected globalist, I would have to say globalist organisations to assert political influence over nations. And that's what we saw here. And like when you know that the WHO Joe's second biggest funder is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation yeah. and he invests so heavily into these facts. Again, like stuff that gets called conspiracy theory, but you can look at the, the evidence is there. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation profited millions of dollars on the vaccines. Millions, yeah. millions and millions of dollars. It's all easy to find. And then once he dumped the stock, then he completely changed his narrative and he started talking about how ineffective the vaccines were and about how the virus wasn't as bad as we thought it was and about it was mostly targeting old and obese people. Like this is f***ing wild because this is the same guy that through the entire pandemic was talking about how great these vaccines are and these vaccines are so effective and they stop the virus and they stop transmission, they stop infection. And all that was a lie, and he profited off those lies. All right, so this is good stuff, guys. You may be watching that going, well, I know all this stuff, and okay, we've been talking about this for all, but you gotta remember, Rogan's got the biggest podcast on the planet. His audience is generally, I would say, a bit left-leaning. It's, it's hard to say now at this point, right? Maybe it's a little more libertarian, but Rogan himself, as far as I know in the last election, didn't even vote, right? So he, he this guy who's unbelievably influential, I suppose didn't have the, I don't wanna exactly say it like this, he either didn't have the balls or whatever it was, he just couldn't do the thing for Trump, right? Even though he was always complaining about Biden, always complaining about wokeness, all of these things, right? He couldn't quite get there. But now, actually, now that we're into this Biden term and things have been a little weird and all of the COVID nonsense and the, the cognitive stuff and everything else, even Rogan now is coming out and saying that uh, he could do something a little different this time. And I go, I would vote for Trump before I'd vote for Biden, just because I think with Biden, like, he's no, he's, he's gone. Like, you know he's gone. It's, you're going to be relying on his cabinet. And I knew his cabinet would be this sideshow of diversity, and which is exactly what it is. I mean, let, that one person who stole all the women's clothes, oh, yeah. that Sam Brinton, we, we highlighted on the podcast yesterday, like, that's a diversity hire. You, you just said, oh, look at this. A man who dresses like a woman and has a beard and a mustache but also wears lipstick, this is perfect for us. I don't give a f what this guy's good at or bad at. I don't give a f what their credentials are. This makes us look like we're inclusive. This makes us look like we're on the right side. So let's let's hire this person. And that those are the you can't have those kind of people running a Ben and Jerry's. You <laughs> you certainly can't have those kind of people running the f most powerful government the world's ever known. It's nuts. It's nuts. So what I would say to Rogan is better late than ever, right? Like all good, man. And these are the people that we can still get. Let's not forget, Joe Rogan also fled California. He signed like a $200 million deal with Spotify, then realized he didn't want to pay the high taxes, probably wasn't thrilled with the crime and everything else, and he moved to Texas. So he's getting it in terms of his own life, and now he's getting it at the bigger level. So you want these people to be helped. And again, for whatever my differences in terms of politics might be with Russell Brand, which we will get into tomorrow live at the local studio, um, He's on his way. And now we have, to, we have to apply some of this into real politics and how do we solve some of the stuff. And I think you know that there is a blueprint that is being exported from this very state that is a working. Fine show today, guys. I would say just fine. A nice follow-up to yesterday's big show. Uh, we got a post-game show for you in just about 51 seconds at rubenreport.locals.com. Part one of my interview live in studio with Carol Markowitz and Bethany Mandel, all about mamas that have had it with the people who are coming for their children and their new book on just that topic is up right now. Full things up at Locals. We leave you. This is a great cold close we're leaving you with, and I'll see everybody else in the post-game momentarily. Thanks, guys.
Close your eyes. Remember what you saw on television. Remember seeing those neo-Nazis and Klansmen and white supremacists coming out of fields with lighted torches. And remember what the president said when asked? And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. Their veins bulging. specifically yeah, that specifically. he was condemning them. He no, said, he did he not. Said, he said he walked out and he said, let's get this straight. The veins bulging on their as they were screaming. Remember, just close your eyes and picture what it was. Their veins bulging. Their veins bulging. Nazi sympathizers carrying Nazi fags. Veins bulging. Their veins bulging. Veins bulging. Veins bulging. How are you, baby? How old are you? Their veins bulging. Just their veins bulging. Bulging. Veins. Well, I'm sick and tired of smart guys. Their veins is they're bulging. Their veins bulging. Their veins bulging. Veins is bulging. Bulging. Fewer. Have you ever heard this president say one negative thing about white supremacists? Have you ever heard it? Racism is evil. Damn it. And those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as America. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.